We praise you, Jesus. Lord, those words are true. Nothing comes close to you. Your word is so beautiful, and the word is your son. Nothing comes close to you, Lord. It's you and you only. I hope all of us in this room and all of us listening over line, on the line, that if when we received you, Lord, that we realize nothing's going to come close to you. Nothing in this world, Father, should matter to us except you. Living our life for you. Changing a nation that's heading in the wrong direction because of you. That your will be done on this earth as it is in your kingdom of heaven. Nothing comes close to you, Lord. It is written, call unto me, and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Lord, you have shown that to us over the years. We believe it. We know it's true. Nothing comes close to you. It's you. It's you only. Nothing's going to matter once we leave this world. Just you. So when we lift our hands, Lord, we lift up as like a child, like a child's position. Our hands in the air. Daddy, pick us up. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your strength to get us through on this earth to do your will. Lord, today we are yours. Father God, Repentance should be preached in every church, but here today, Lord, we repent. We repent of our sins, Lord. We try so hard not to sin, but we sin anyhow. It's just our nature, as your book tells us so clearly. Help us, Lord. We know that we're sinless because of Jesus, but we sin less than we used to because of Jesus. Lord, we repent of our sin we turn away from it, and we ask you to come into our hearts anew and afresh. Give us a fresh anointing from your Holy Spirit. Peter said, repent and return, that it might be good for you. Lord, we do. We repent. We ask you to come into this church service, Lord, and speak to our speaker Matt, today as he speaks, Lord, and Father, fire our hearts up again for you. Fire our hearts up to serve you. Fire our hearts up to love you. Fire our hearts up to support the missions work in, in this world, Lord, because we need it badly. So we give this day over to you and this service over to you to your, for your glory. Use us, each, each and every one of us, use us for your glory. In the name of our awesome Savior, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As I stated before, thank you all for coming. We welcome our friends from Indiana. They've been here before. So nice to have you back again. It's a real compliment and a blessing to us to have you back. So thank you. We're glad you're here. Um, I just want to introduce Matt. You know, you all know him. Matt's been around here for two, three years, I think, you know, and, and, uh, and uh, he's going to come up and speak. And as I mentioned, he's going to head for Brazil. He's going to fill, fill you in all about it. But he's leaving in like two weeks. So um, I give him an opportunity to speak. And we're calling this Missionary Sunday. And as I said, Brett will be here next week. We'll have two weeks of missionary work to be done. So Matt, come on up. We're going to pray for him. 
know, he went to the Bible College, Palm Beach Atlantic College is one of the best. My daughter graduated, our daughter graduated from there in 1997, along with Billy Graham's grandson. So Billy Graham was speaking that day, and I'll tell you what, what an awesome service. But anyway, Matt, it's one of the best college, Christian colleges around, really. Is, and, uh, you know, we want to, you know, God raised him up to do this mission work in Brazil. So um, let's pray for him. Put your hands out or, or just agree with us in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we give Matt this time, Lord, to speak over the Internet and through the congregation here to tell the work that you've been doing in his life and the work that you're going to do in his life. And if there's any way we can help through prayer, uh, sacrifice of our time, or even our financial stuff, Lord, Lord, we just pray that um, your will be done here today. Anoint Matt for the, for the word that he's going to teach and, and impress everything on our hearts, Lord, so that we can come alive again and realize we need to get out there into the world and preach to a lost nation, a lost continent, a lost people that's, that uh, inhabit this earth. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Just uh, get situated here. Can everyone hear me okay? God is good. Amen. So uh, thank you, Pastor Joe. Thank you, everyone who's here. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share today. And um, before I start, uh, I just want to let you all know that in the back, uh, I have sign-up sheets for anyone who would like to get um, a digital copy of uh, like missionary newsletter. I'm going to be sending out one every month, give you updates on what's happening in Brazil, testimonies, prayer requests. So if you'd like to receive that, I just want to encourage you, just put your name and your email address on the sheets um, in the back so I can put you on the list for that. Let me uh, just pray for a moment, and then we'll get started with our uh, message today. We thank you, God, for this morning. I thank you, God, for, uh, for giving me this opportunity this morning to share about what you're doing in Brazil um, and how we can be a part of that. And we just thank you, God, for giving us the chance to be a part of what you're doing, not just here in Palm Beach County or through Freedom Church alone, but through all, all around the world, God. I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person who is here, God, uh, who's been supporting Brett Nona, supporting other missionary work, uh, do, does work locally, God, and I just thank you for their encouragement and uh, support of me, God. So I pray that you would speak during this time. You would open up our hearts to hear what you want to say. You would move. Uh, your Holy Spirit would just be here, God. Your presence would be here. We don't want to be here, God, if you're not, you're not here. That doesn't make any sense, God. So we just pray that you would be here. You would manifest your presence for blessing, work in us in, in whatever way you please, God. And we just give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, as you most of you know, I've been announcing, we've been announcing really most of this month that I'm going to be heading to Brazil at, uh, at the end of this month to work as a missionary. And um, today, as promised, I just want to explain to you in greater detail a few things. I want to explain to you a little bit about what God is doing in Brazil, kind of the spiritual state of Brazil and Christianity in Brazil. 
um, and I want to tell you how myself and all of us as a church family uh, will be a part of that through this mission. And then um, lastly, I want to talk to you just briefly from the scriptures about missions, about preaching, and specifically about the importance of the role of sending in, in gospel ministry and in, uh, in missions um, and, and how that is just a crucial part of the advancement of the gospel and salvation of souls around the world. Um, so that's going to be kind of the, the layout for today. But uh, before I go any further, I really just want to say thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you to this church, not only for today, not only for supporting this mission and for sending me now, but just for, for everything that um, God has used you to do in, in my life over the last couple of years. It's really been a blessing for me to be a part of this church. Um, I mean, people I've just felt like have really brought me into the family here. Like, for example, I mean, e even before I was, was really a part of the church, um, I remember coming back from a mission to Brazil in, in 2019, and um, and uh, Bill Bataskas, he called me up and he said, hey, I want to take you to uh, the beach. I want to get you breakfast. And you've been out on a mission. You've been using your tools. And what, what I want to do is encourage you. And we want to take your tools out of that toolbox and sharpen them up, you know, and send you back out. So like the things like that, you know, just really meant a lot to me. And um, and yeah, I just thank you for being my church family for Pastor Joe pours into us every single week, great, solid Bible teaching, good counsel, and the Lord for Liz leading us in worship. And obviously you can see she does many technical things as well. Um, so, yeah, I just thank you for, for the blessing of being here. Thank you for the blessing of the time I've spent here, and thank you for, for sending me now. And I want this to be clear. I'm, I'm not leaving this church um, this is still my home church. Freedom Church is still my home church in the United States. I think we should look at it more as I'm just going to be in another location temporarily. And now it's not just me who is going to serve the Lord in Brazil. We are actually doing this together. I think that is the more biblical way to look at it. That's the more encouraging way to look at it, you know. And I'm going to talk about this a little later from the scriptures. But missionaries don't just go. Missionaries, according to the scriptures, are sent. There's going and there's sending. And both are crucial in the role of advancing the kingdom of God around the world. So I want you all to look at this as we are together in this mission in Brazil. And uh, that's why I really want to take a lot of time today to, to really explain to you what it's all about. So firstly, uh, I just want to share about the spiritual state of Brazil and, and Christianity in Brazil. Kind of, uh, you could put it like, what, it, what is God doing in Brazil? And I want you guys to know that Brazilians are on fire for Jesus. And going there is, is really amazing. I, I, it took me some time to, to really see it, but the church is growing, not just in numbers, but spiritually, and the Brazilian Christians, they are ready to go. They're ready to serve the Lord. They're ready to preach the gospel, um, not only just in their local towns and neighborhoods and cities, but they're ready to go to the nations of the world. And you're going to hear a lot more about this next Sunday when Brett shares about uh, this last mission they, 
uh, took to Brazil and the training that they did there and the young people that were raised up and preaching the gospel on the streets and leading people to the Lord. But they're just they're just ready. You know, and a worship song begins They're They're singing the words before the song even starts. And so they're just on fire for the Lord. And um, according to the uh, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, uh, which is a part of Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. If you ever heard of it, it's so I'm giving you that so you know this is a, a reputable um, statistic. But according to this this Center for the Study of Global Christianity, Brazil is actually now the number two missionary sending country in the entire world. And that means that out of all the countries in the entire world, uh, Brazil is sending out uh, the second most missionaries of anywhere in the in the entire world and that statistic is um, maybe a little bit old it's from 2010 so possibly that's changed but if it has changed my guess is that the number of missionaries coming out of Brazil uh, well has actually gone up not down because God is just doing amazing things there in and through the Brazilian people and I tell you this because it ties directly into what I'm going to be doing in Brazil because um, in Brazil I will be serving in an English school, but it's not just in any English school. It's not just for you know uh, kids to come and and learn English or something like that. This is a school that is specifically created for Brazilian missionaries who are being sent out to all different parts of the world and need to learn English in order to fulfill their callings. So let me give you some of the specifics. Uh, in February, actually February 1st, I have a flight out to a city called Goiânia. It's in the central west region of Brazil. And that's where I'm going to be serving at this English school for Brazilian missionaries. And uh, this English school is actually part of a much larger missions organization called Youth with a Mission. Or sometimes uh, we abbreviate and call it YWAM. You may have heard of it before. So I want to tell you a little bit about YWAM, and right now I'm going to have Liz show a short video uh, that will give you an idea of kind of what that ministry is about. So what is Youth of the Mission? Youth of the Mission, or YWAM, is a global movement of Christians dedicated to knowing God and making God known. YWAM started in 1960 as a way to get young people involved in missions. We still do that today, but we're involved in every kind of outreach, every kind of ministry that you could imagine. We currently have over 18,000 staff with locations in over 180 countries. YWAM's many ministries fit into three major categories, evangelism, training, and mercy ministries. We do evangelism because we believe that everyone in the world has the right to hear the message of Jesus. We do training to equip people to use their unique calling to do that. And everyone in Youth of the Mission does an intensive half-year discipleship course called the Discipleship Training School. Our third focus is Mercy Ministries, where our staff are giving hope to the poor, sick, and those suffering from injustice. YWAM has a place for everyone and endless opportunities. You can find out more about what we're doing and ways to get involved at our website. Yeah, so it's a, a pretty cool and unique kind of ministry. They're all over the world, as is said in the video, 180 countries. And um, their, their two goals are really very simple. They exist to know God and to make Him known. 
But the way they accomplish these goals is really diverse depending on what country they're in, what place they're in, what ministry is needed there. But um, one way that they accomplish these goals is through these language schools for missionaries. So, you know, if you're going to serve as a missionary in another place where they speak a different language from your own or you're going to have to be immersed or living in some type of different culture, interacting with people of different cultures, it really makes sense that you would need some type of language and cross-cultural training to prepare you to do that well, right? I mean, that, that makes sense. So that's really exactly what these schools are designed to do. Uh, the purpose of this English School for Missions is to help equip, encourage, and raise up Brazilian missionaries by teaching them English um, and other skills needed for cross-cultural ministry and by exposing them to a foreign language, to foreign people, and to do some hands-on, some real hands-on cross-cultural ministry work. And uh, the cool thing about YWAM and, and how they do their trainings is YWAM combines both classroom learning and practical experience in basically all of their trainings. So in order to do this, uh, each YWAM school has two phases. The first phase is the classroom phase where the students are going to spend time every day in a, in a classroom setting learning things like English vocabulary, grammar, sentence structure, all those kind of basic things. And uh, even in this time, the students are going to give get opportunities to do different activities that basically give them a chance to use and practice their English. And they, they like to make this fun. So it's pretty cool. They will play games in English, will have conversations in English, watch movies in English, will maybe even do some cooking in English. We're going to read the Bible in English, pray in English, and worship in English. And all of these ways are really just fun, practical ways that the students will get a chance to practice English and hone their language schools. So classroom phase is kind of focused on that classroom-style learning. Uh, but then even, even still, even though um, it's mostly going to be time in the classroom, we're still going to be engaged in ministry work locally. Um, the, the mission base there has several other ministries. They do a lot of evangelism, intercession. There's a men's recovery house there for people with addictions. Uh, there's children's ministry, all kinds of things that they do. And they really bring the students and the staff, which would include myself, um, into doing those things as well to give them some kind of uh, practical ministry experience. So that's the first phase. Uh, the second phase of the school is uh, the practical phase. And during this time, the students will actually get to use all the English they learn in the classroom time in a real-world ministry environment. So during this phase, the students and staff, including myself, we're going to go to another country where English is spoken, and we're going to engage in mission work and ministry there. So this is really awesome because it gives the students real-world exposure to both English and to doing ministry in another culture, in a cross-cultural environment. So it's a very cool strategy that, that they have there. Now, or as of now, plans um, for that practical phase are being made for us to go to Germany. Um, that location could change. I mean, everything could kind of change at this point because of COVID. Uh, but that is, that is the goal and that is uh, the plan at this point. So it's not simply a language school. Um, it's not just teaching English for the sake of 
teaching English. It's really a language school created to train, to equip, to raise up, and to send out missionaries all over the world. And that works perfectly in Brazil, as I said before, because they're ready. They're ready to go. They just need some training. They need some equipping, encouragement. And they're going to be just setting the world on fire for Jesus. My role basically um, will be, I'll be somebody who the students can practice English with. I may end up teaching some. I'm not sure at this point. I don't really have any formal teaching experience in, for a language. But um, it, it may end up that, that I do do some teaching. But really, I'm going to be a person who is there as a native English speaker, meaning English is my first language. And that's really important when you're trying to learn a foreign language. I don't know if anybody here has ever done that. But when you're trying to learn another language, it's very important to interact with people who speak that language as their first language. You have different accents, you have different ways of saying things that just are, don't really come through when, it's, when you're learning from someone who has learned it as their second language. And as far as I know... At this point, I'm really going to be the only person in this school who speaks English as their first language, which means I can be really helpful in this training as, as someone who can be there to speak English with. Um, so I believe like this was just a great opportunity you know, for God to be able to use that. Now, I've been talking a lot about English and, and this, and you may be asking yourself at this point, well, why English? You know, why is... Why is this so you know, important? Shouldn't be teaching the Bible or evangelism or something or, or a different language? Why, does it, why is English, you know, what, what exactly is that going to accomplish? Well, I want you to know, if you don't know, that, that knowing the English language opens up many, many opportunities and doors for Brazilian missionaries that they wouldn't have otherwise. In Brazil, they speak Portuguese, and I uh, believe Portuguese is only spoken in about four or so countries around around the world, I've spoken in Brazil, Portugal, two countries in Africa, and I think some other places, but, you know, so those places are open to them as, as missionaries, for sure, but um, compared to English, English is an international language, meaning it's spoken all over the world. Um, just to give you an idea, the Dictionary of Languages estimates there are probably 800 million people who speak English either as a first or second language. It also says that worldwide English is by far the most popular second language. It's the universal language of diplomacy and science. It's the language that people usually try first when talking to foreigners because it's so popular around the world. And this dictionary of languages goes on to say that no language rivals English in the extent to which it is used across the world. English is spoken all over Eastern and Western Europe, many countries in Africa, Nigeria, South Africa, Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Ghana, on and on the list goes. Spoken in several countries in Asia, such as India, Nepal, the Philippines, I believe Malaysia as well, and some other countries. English is spoken in Australia, the United States, Canada, and the list could just keep going on and on. So English is truly an international language, and it's widely spoken around the world. So this opens up uh, doors to many places 
um, for those who learn English. In addition to this, in countries where English is not spoken, or at least not as an official language, there are still people who desire to learn English because it's such an international language. That creates need for English teachers around the world. So three ways this opens up doors for Brazilian missionaries who learn English um, is that, uh, number one, knowing English opens up doors in countries where English is spoken. All those countries I just mentioned and more uh, become open to, the, to somebody who learns English, whether it's spoken as a primary or secondary language, um, all these places become open to them. Number two, knowing English opens doors in countries where English is not spoken, which sounds kind of funny, but, but we have uh, really two opportunities here where English is spoken and English is not spoken because where English is not spoken, as I said uh, just before, there is a desire to learn English, and these missionaries can go there actually as English teachers, even as some countries um, in the world that are closed to missionaries, they won't allow Christian missionaries to come as missionaries. They can go to these places as English teachers. They can start teaching English. And through that, they can build relationships with their students, which eventually opens opportunities for them to share the gospel with their English students. And also, knowing English can provide these missionaries with a source of income while they're on the field. Um, they, they may be serving in some other place. Maybe they're not raising enough support or they just want to raise you know, up some more money for their ministry work. They can work as English teachers on the weekends in these places where God has called them, and they can use that as a strategy and as, as a source of, of, of income. So this work and, and this strategy of these language schools can really help to advance the gospel around the world and and I hope you are able to see that from from what has been shared so far but I want to give you one last reason why um, one last reason why this kind of work helps to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world and that is that this kind of work multiplies our efforts and our fruitfulness and let me explain what I mean by that so as a missionary as a minister, you know, I or, or whoever it is, we can only be in one country at a time, right? I can either be here in West Palm or I could be in Brazil. I can't be here both at the same time. Um, and maybe we can only be preaching the gospel to one person at a time or discipling one person at a time. Maybe we could preach to a group, but we could only preach to one group at a time. Or we could only be working in one mission at a time we could only be working on maybe a few projects per year and and that could actually be really fruitful and um and you as a church are are sending me and maybe some of you are going to be funding me and and this could be a really good use of our resources but imagine this imagine if if we can help to raise up five ten or twenty other missionaries who can go to five or ten or twenty different nations of the world all at the same time, who can proclaim the gospel to five, ten, twenty different people or twenty different groups of people all around the world all at the same time, who could be doing the work of ministry in five, ten, twenty different places all at the same time. And that can bear exponentially more fruit than I could ever do, than, I could, than, than God could ever use me to do alone. And that is really the cool thing 
about uh, about this English school and about what we're doing here, about by sending me out as a missionary to do this work, you guys are not just sending and supporting one missionary, me. You're actually going to be involved in sending, supporting, and equipping many different missionaries who will touch many nations of the world and who are going to touch many lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want you to be encouraged that God is using you to be a part of what he's doing, not just here, not just in Brazil, not just in my life, but he's going to use you to touch uh, people all over the world for Jesus Christ. And again, I, I don't want us to think about this as my mission. First and foremost, it's God's mission. But I want you to think about this as our mission. We're doing this together because Freedom Church and anyone else who's online listening to this, anyone who may be supporting or praying or just giving an encouraging word and, and, or doing anything, and so even receiving a newsletter uh, that you would want to even receive a newsletter and that you would read it is, is an encouragement to me. And, and all of those things, anyone who is doing any of those things is playing a really important role in this work. So again, please be encouraged. And now on that note, I want to just uh, talk to you briefly from the scriptures um, about that and about the importance of the role of sending in missions and whether you are someone who goes and preaches or whether you go uh, uh, to other countries or whether you stay here, you support, you send in some way. Both of those roles are important, and I want us to see that from the scriptures. So um, turn to uh, the book of Romans, chapter 10. We're going to read Romans chapter 10, uh, verses 5 to 13 together. I'll give you a, a second to get there. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 5. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will, ascend, who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Now there's, there's a lot that could be said about this passage. I just want to point out a few things. In this passage, Paul contrasts two different approaches to righteousness. A very simple definition of what it means to be righteous is this. To be righteous is to be approved of or acceptable of God. Simply, to be righteous is to be right with God. 
So Paul is contrasting here two different ways that people use to try to become right with God. Now the first approach he mentions is in verse 5. This approach to righteousness is uh, to achieve righteousness through keeping God's law. Verse 5 says, For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. And um, Paul here is actually quoting from uh, the book of Leviticus. You don't have to turn there. But I do want to read a little bit of the context uh, here. I'm going to read Leviticus chapter 18. He's quoting uh, really from verse 5. I'm going to read to you verses 1 to 5 just so you get a little idea of the context of the scripture which he is drawing from. Leviticus 18, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do what is done in the land of Egypt where you lived, uh, nor are you to do what is done in the land of Canaan where I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You are to perform my judgments and keep my statutes, to live in accord with them. I am the Lord your God. So you shall keep my statutes and my judgments by which a man may live if he does them. I am the Lord. So God is is giving his law to his people. And uh, there's a very simple uh, principle here. God gave his commandments to his people and anyone who follows his commandments, obeys his laws, is righteous. If you want to be righteous, obey God. A truly righteous person is someone who always does what God asks them to do and never does anything that God says not to do. They always do what God asks them to do and never does anything that God says not to do. Anyone who obeys God's law is righteous. And that's a pretty simple principle, right? But actually carrying it out is not very simple. Because if we were to try and carry this out, that would mean that, that we need to keep every single one of God's commandments. And remember, there's 613 or so, at least given through Moses. And I don't even believe that's an exhaustive list of God's law. But you have to obey every single one of those perfectly, carrying them out our entire lives without fault or failure. And this doesn't just apply to our actions. Not, it's not only that we need to be doing the right things, but our thought life also has to be pure. We have to be thinking the right things uh, and, and have our thoughts lined up with what God requires. And it goes even deeper than our actions and our thoughts because the motives of our hearts actually have to be pure as we're carrying out God's law. We have to be obeying God for the right reasons and and uh, we have to be obeying God with the right attitudes without grumbling or or complaining or, or other such things like like that. So our actions, our thoughts, our motives, our hearts have to be perfectly in line with God's will. And if we fail in any way to do this at any point in our lives, we've actually fallen short of God's standard of righteousness. We've broken God's holy law. So the principle is easy, but it's actually impossible for fallen human beings to carry this out, to be right with God in this way. So this way of achieving righteousness is really no way at all because we cannot achieve righteousness through obedience to God's law. Why? Because there's something wrong with God's law? No, because there's something wrong with us 
because we cannot obey it perfectly. And we can never be right with God through the keeping of his law because none of us can live up to God's holy, righteous standard. So that's the first approach to righteousness that he mentioned, which, again, is really, it's really no, way, no way to righteousness at all because it's impossible for us to carry out. Now let's look at this second approach to righteousness, which he mentions. Uh, verse 6, he says, But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Uh, the second approach to righteousness is to receive righteousness through faith, not to achieve it through the law, but to receive it through faith. And in verse 6 and 7, Paul tells us how this approach does not work. He says, uh, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Now, this is also a quote from the Old Testament from Deuteronomy. And a lot could be said about this, but I just want to give you this main point. The way of righteousness by faith does not require us to do some great work in order to obtain right standing with God. Rather, the work that is required for us to become righteous has already been accomplished by Jesus Christ. And we don't have to search far and wide for a way to become right with God, or we don't have to make our own way to be right with God, because the way to be right with God is already here. It's being presented to us today in the gospel because Jesus has made that way. Verse 6, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down. Meaning we don't need to go up to heaven and bring Christ down. Why? Because he has already come. He was already sent by the Father. He already came and took on flesh. He already lived the righteous life that we should have lived in our place. And furthermore, he's already gone to the cross. He's already gone to the cross where he's took on the punishment that we deserve for our sins, for our failing to keep God's law, for our falling short of God's righteous standard. He was already whipped in our place. He was already beaten. He was already bruised and crushed on our behalf. Jesus already received a crown of thorns on his head. He's already been mocked. He's already been spit upon and hung on a Roman cross where he already bore our sins and took upon himself the wrath of God which should have fallen on us. Jesus has already lived in our place and he's already died in our place so that we can have righteousness, salvation, and eternal life. So we don't need to go up to heaven and bring Christ down because he has already come. He has already done these things for us. Furthermore, we don't, we don't need to go down to the place of the dead, to the abyss, to raise Jesus up from the grave. Why? Because God has already raised Jesus from the dead. The righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. We don't have to go down to the place of the dead and raise Jesus up because he has already risen. 
And through his resurrection, he has already defeated sin. He's defeated Satan. He's defeated death. He's defeated hell. And now because Jesus has been raised to life, all who believe in him are raised with him and will be raised with him to everlasting life when he comes again. Amen. Jesus has already done it all. The point is this, the way of righteousness through faith. It doesn't require us to do some great big work to go up to heaven, to go down to the abyss, to go to the far side of the sea. All it requires is simple faith in Jesus Christ because the work of redemption has already been accomplished. The way of salvation has already been made. Jesus has done it all. Amen. Amen. The point is this. We cannot obtain righteousness through any works of our own. But Jesus has already done the work that is needed for us to be righteous. So then what is there left to do? Let's look at verse 8 to 11. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. With the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. The way of righteousness that is by faith simply says, believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. There's Nothing left for us to do but trust in what He has done. And if you want to receive the righteousness of God, believe on Jesus Christ and be saved. And I know many of you, probably all of you in this, in this room have done that, but anyone online listening, anyone in the future, I just want you to know that there is a way of salvation for you. God has made a way to, for you to be forgiven of your sins, to receive his righteousness, to receive a relationship with him and eternal life. All you have to do is trust in Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins, believe in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. So we can receive the righteousness of God. Anyone can receive the righteousness of God through simple faith. In Jesus Christ, we've seen from this passage that we cannot achieve righteousness through obedience to God's law. We can't obtain it through works of our own. But Jesus already did the work and anyone now anyone who believes can receive the righteousness of God through simple faith in Jesus Christ. All we must do is believe. Isn't that good news? Amen. Amen. So Paul goes on now to just make a few other uh, important points that we're going to look at look at briefly Romans 10 verse 12 says for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all abounding in riches for all who call on him for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved how then can they call on him in who they have not believed and how will they believe in him in whom they have not heard and how will they hear without a preacher? These uh, questions that Paul poses here in this, this scripture, especially verse 14, it shows the importance of preaching. So as we've said, the way of receiving righteousness is through believing in Jesus Christ. And that way has already been made. But in order for someone to believe in Jesus Christ and trust in what he has done for our salvation, 
one actually has to first hear about Jesus Christ and what he has done for our salvation. They have to hear and know the way of salvation and know who Jesus Christ is in order to put their trust in him and be saved. Romans 1.16 says that the gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. But in order to believe in the gospel, one must hear the gospel. Now, the only way that someone can hear the gospel is if someone who already knows the gospel, who already knows Jesus Christ, goes and proclaims the message of Jesus Christ to them. And this is why it is so important that missionaries and preachers, pastors, evangelists, and anyone who has a supporting or any kind of other role in this work are all going out to proclaim the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ because they need to hear and they need to know in order to believe and be saved. And it is so important that they're going out, whether it's on the streets, whether it's in a church, in a stadium, could be through the Internet, it could be in writing, through a track or a book, whatever the medium of communication is, is maybe not so important. But it is important that the message, through whatever medium it is, must be proclaimed in order for the kingdom of God to be advanced and for souls to be saved. If anyone is to receive the righteousness of God through faith, they must first hear the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can believe and be saved. And this is why the message must continue to be preached. The role of preaching is crucial in seeing people come to Jesus Christ. But then Paul goes on to give us another crucial role in this process of salvation. Verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Though Paul brings up Another important point that it's not only preaching that is important, but it is the role of sending that is important. A preacher cannot go and preach unless they are sent. Um, And according to this scripture, preachers, preachers must be sent. So here we have this chain. We have we have call in the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. But you can't call unless you believe. And you can't believe unless you hear. And you can't hear unless someone preaches to you. And a preacher cannot go and preach unless they are sent out. Steve Byrne in his book Well Sent says this, Missionaries don't just go to the lost, they are sent to the lost. And the local church is responsible to release and send workers to those still waiting for the good news. So here we have two roles that work together in the process of somebody coming to salvation, coming coming to receive salvation through faith. There's the preacher, the one who goes out and proclaims that message so it can be heard and believed, and there is the sender, the one who sends the preacher to go out and proclaim that message. And what I want you to see today and be encouraged by is that both play a crucial role in bringing salvation to the lost. Both play a crucial role in advancing the kingdom of God. And I think this element or role of sending and missions is is often lost or or at least de-emphasized. I know that that I haven't thought about it too much. But as I was studying this passage, I just found this idea of sending to be all over the Bible. Any any man or woman of God was commissioned by God 
You usually see some kind of language of sending there. For example, John the Baptist was sent by God. Jesus says many times he was sent by the Father. In Matthew 10, Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to preach the kingdom of God. Luke 10, he sends out 72 others to do the same thing. And of course, we, we probably know the great uh, commissions in the Bible to, that Jesus uh, said to his disciples to go make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28, to go and preach the gospel to all creation in Matthew 16. And uh, in John 20, 21, Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Angels are sent by God. The Holy Spirit is sent. And this idea of sending is just all over the scriptures. There's a really interesting passage uh, that I'm not going to you know, get into too deep or read to you, but it's in, it's in Acts 13, verses 1 to 4. And, and in this passage, we see how Paul and Barnabas were actually sent out as missionaries from the church in Antioch. And something really uh, important that I noticed, uh, that I want you to notice as well, um, as, as I was studying this, is we see in this passage kind of this dual role of of sending you have two senders in verse three it says that uh the church it was the church who sent them off but then you get to verse four and it says that they were sent on their way by the holy spirit so it is both god's role to call to commission and to send missionaries, to send workers into his harvest field. But God has also given the church a really important role in sending out Christian workers to proclaim the message of salvation so that people who don't know it can hear it and believe and call on the name of the Lord and be saved. So today, whether you're going out to preach or going to the mission field or you're someone who is staying, but you're ascending and supporting those who do. I want you to know, whatever role that you're in, your role is crucial in bringing salvation to those who don't know Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today that as you're here sending me, you're not just sending me because the work which I'll be a part of and which we will be a part of, uh, and through that work, you're sending many others to go out into all the nations of the world, to go to the four corners of the earth, to preach the gospel to all creation, to make disciples of all nations, and to advance the kingdom of God all around the world. So I want you to be encouraged by that today. And I want to say, I just close by saying thank you. So let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this this word, God, for your word, God, that tells us to go out and to preach the gospel. And we thank you also, God, for showing us today that the role of sending is also something that, that you have ordained, God. The role of supporting is something that, that you have created, God. And I just thank you, God. I pray every single person who's listening to this, anyone, whether they go or whether they send or they do some other work whether they're in a pulpit or whether they're behind the scenes god i just pray every single person would be encouraged god that that their role is there's no role that's more important than another god that you have ordained it all god you have used it all god and you are going to exalt the humble god, maybe even the one who's behind the scenes that nobody ever sees their face or hears from them Maybe they're even going to have a greater reward in heaven. Maybe they're even more exalted than the, the Billy Grahams or the Reinhard Bunkies of the world who preach to millions or thousands of millions of people, God. So we just thank you for that. I pray everyone here is encouraged today. 
And we just thank you for your love, God. Let this message sink deep into our hearts and let us just think about it, God, as we go on our way, as we're eating lunch or whatever we're doing for the rest of the day, God. Let your word just dwell richly in us, God. We thank you for all these things. We magnify you. We glorify your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all. You all are dis- dismissed. Um, do you want to mention again the newsletter uh, sign-up sheets in the back? So uh, please, if you'd like to receive a newsletter, please give me your full name and your email, and I'll be sure to put you on the list. God bless you. Amen. 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 Do you think he's sent by God now? <laughs> huh? He knows his stuff. God has prepared him. And you know what? He's only like 35? 34. 34. <laughs> I'm 72. He's got 40 more years of preaching. Now, praise God, you know. Um, yeah, don't, don't forget. You're, you know, a lot of people they seem to forget that, um, you know, they're involved in that. Any missionary you ever support, you know, if they won 100 souls over to Christ, they know you were part of it, yeah. you know. And I, you know, the preachers that go out and, you know, they leave their families behind like Billy Graham did. You know, Ruth was blessed and she was part of that. And you can be part by helping support, you know, Matt, helping support, you know, his work that God has called him to do. You know, we've ministered in Brazil together. And uh, I'll tell you what, um, I should have been his understudy. How's that? <laughs> Yeah, so so listen, so um, let's pray for him again. And next week, I think you're going to be here, right? Next yeah. week. And uh, we're going to send him off officially, lay hands on him, and do exactly what he just brought up in Acts chapter 13, where the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Paul and Saul for the work I called them to do. And, and God's called him to do it. And he's been around in missions for a while. And as you know, he's got the solid gospel message. So, Father, thank you for this man. Thank you for raising these people up, Lord, to go out into all the world and preach the gospel and a shame in this. Bless the feet of those that, that um, you know, that preach the gospel all through the world, Lord. And we give you the glory, the praise, and the honor, and we thank you. In Jesus' holy name, amen and amen. And God bless you, everybody. And uh, don't forget to list in the back, and, um, and we'll see you later. I love you all.